Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Ashley. And this is Brittany. And we are your hosts of More Than a Season podcast. Welcome back, More Than a Season fam. Yeah, we're we're trying out new words on what to call everybody, so bear with us. We want we want <laughs> if like you just don't like, like a, that, then tell us. <laughs> yeah, you know we're trying. We just want like a good a good roundabout word to call family mm-hmm. squad. I don't know. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think. How was your week? I know that you were up in the Palouse. You were up I in was. Pullman. I was in Pullman, Washington. So we actually, Ashley and I, if y'all are new, we came from Washington State and that's where we met. And now we're at Mississippi State. So I started working for Washington State when I moved up there and actually still work for them remotely. So I had to go back this past weekend or this past week and work for a couple events. And it was, it's weird being back and not really having like a tie to it anymore. You know, I still do because that's where Drew and I met, but I don't really have a tie because he wasn't there. So it was kind of weird being there by myself. Yeah. I saw that you, in one of your like stories, you were scraping off ice and I was like, yeah, don't miss that at all. The day before we got there, it was 75 degrees and sunny. And then the day that we got there, it was like 40 degrees and cold the whole week. They're like, yeah, this has not been cold yet. And today it is. So it was kind of a, yeah, it was fun because it was, it felt like fall and it's been so hot in Starkville and I've been in California too. And it's just been so hot. It still felt like summer. And so finally it felt like, oh, we're in October. Like this is fall. Yeah. I think we're ready for fall here. Mississippi is, is holding on to that heat. It's still like 90 degrees outside today. So, you know, not very like that. (laughs) No, I'm over it. And for me this week with work, um, I'm on like the end of this, these events that I've been planning. And I just like, I, I feel like for me, the burnout is real right now. And I'm trying to find motivation. It's not that I don't like my job. It's just, I feel like when I've been planning these events for so long that it's like, I'm to the point where I'm like, please, like, let's just get it going and do the event. And for y'all that don't know, Brittany and I both are event planners and, um, we work for obviously separate companies, but it's, it's funny, like the last two events that I'm planning for the year, they're like 600 plus people on site. So it's a lot of, a lot of bodies to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to like actually take care of those people. I just like have them come to an event and then like, see you later. You have to like deal with hotels and things like that, that you have to really do a lot of details for, which thankfully I'm just like, come to the party and then see you later. Do what you want <laughs> afterwards. You know, I'm just trying to keep, you know, motivating myself on some sort and trying to breathe a little bit because I also feel, and y'all should let us know if you feel this way too, but when you work remote, it's nice. It's so wonderful and freedom and all of those things. But 
after a while, I feel like sitting in this office, I get super burnout and a sense of like, oh my gosh, I hate that room. Like I don't want to go back into the room because it's your office and it's your house. So like you're in there all day. So I've been trying to navigate that. Yeah. Well, I had to go into the office this past week and I was reminded how much I love being remote. Mm -hmm. So maybe you just need, you need to go back into the office for like a few days because I was going crazy. I'm like, usually, you know, you take a mental break from your computer and you like throw a load of laundry in or like Mm -hmm. do a quick little sweep of your house or run an errand. And now it's like staring at your computer for eight hours a day is terrible. I was exhausted after the first day because not that I'm not working eight hours when I'm home, but I have a little bit more of a mental break in between. Yeah. I think that it's, it's such a blessing to work remote. And I do think that in the office, there's just like weird stereotype that if you're not working like the full time at your desk, then you're not, um, successful for the day. I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. It's Uh, so weird. But I listened to a message this morning and I was kind of reminded, um, for the message that I was listening to, it was talking about letting things go and bitterness and how, it really does more damage to you than it does somebody else. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was such a good reminder because especially in the sports industry, there's a lot of things that happen here and there and we can hold on to that. But I feel like it does you more damage with the amount of time that we have, you know, moving from place to place. Yeah, it definitely does. It's bitterness is something that I think we all experience, but you think that you're affecting the other person when you're bitter. You think that you're like, oh, well, I'm going to be bitter at you. And it's like, they don't care. Like it doesn't really affect them. It's affecting you and making you miserable. So I think that's a good message. So it was really good. And I think that, you know, just speaking of like great messages, our our interview, y'all are going to love because it really is very, it's very deep. And I feel like the lightheartedness hang on, it comes at the end, (laughs) but I feel like Haley did justice, like for this topic, like did so great because it's so heavy. There's so, so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So Haley is our interview guest and her husband or her fiance. Sorry, I'm jumping the gun there, Haley. Her (laughs) fiance is a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox organization. And so she talks about her brother died by suicide and she talks about that experience, the grieving process, what her family went through. But then as Ashley mentioned, we do round it out with some happiness at the end. And she talks about traveling with her pups, which are so cute. And you definitely Mm -hmm. need to follow them on Instagram and we'll tag them in the show notes that y'all can do that because they are so cute and they've been on more different types of transportation than I have. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so, it's just so eye-opening. I feel like even for me, I've really, even with these interviews that we've had is just how much I don't know and how I don't know how to handle these heavy topics in the best way. And I feel like I have changed because it's eye-opening to see someone's personal experience firsthand go through something like that. So she talks about grief and all the stages and how she is, you know, one of seven siblings is what she said, and just how they all balance each other out and are working through this together. So y'all are going to enjoy this message and come out different people. So we are excited to share it with you. And we will see you on the other side. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hey, everyone. 
We are so excited. You know that we are trying to transition and go into topics. And so we have another great interview and we're so excited to have our special guest here. So we're going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Haley Garen Heingardner, and my fiance is Kyle Hart. He is in the minor leagues for um, the Boston Red Sox, so we are in the baseball world. My favorite team. <laughs> oh, really? Mine too, even though I'm wearing a red shirt today. Don't tell him. <laughs> That's awesome. So has he always been in the Red Sox organization? Was he drafted with them, or what was the beginning of your journey like? Yes, he was drafted in 2016 with the Red Sox. So that's been five seasons now. He's moved all the way up. He actually debuted in 2020 last year. I couldn't be there because of COVID. I sit on the couch with my dogs and freak out for the first time without cameras on me. So I'll take it in that way. He's one of the only guys who's played in every single minor league city because they switched their AAA team this last year. Wow. That's a lot. Baseball just continues to just surprise me. I feel like I've learned so much over the past year, just about that whole lifestyle and y'all take the cake on the number of moves and what y'all have to go through. So when y'all first met, did, uh, you know, all about this life or was this just kind of like, you kind of learned as you went? Learned as I went. We met the night before Thanksgiving, you know, how everybody goes out and sees all their good friends. We were out. We actually went to the same high school. He was a year older. Uh, We had never met and a mutual friend was at the bar with us. And he swears that he just asked what my name was. We got introduced. There was no talking period. We just really started dating. And that was going to be his first season with the Red Sox. Right after we met, he left for spring training and I joined in for the ride. (laughs) Wow. So what was your first thought like going into the baseball world and being enveloped in the spring training and all the craziness that goes along with baseball. I was shocked, honestly. I was shocked by how much time it takes and how little they're paid in the beginning. I thought it was going to be this lavish lifestyle, but then I'm on the side of the highway in a La Quinta and the only place I can get food is at the Waffle House. So it was not the lifestyle I was expecting, but I was already in love with them. So yeah, I went along the ride. <laughs> I know it is kind of crazy to think of the things that you do like for your significant other. Like there has been, even for me with the moves that we've had, like many blow up mattresses where, you know, you're sleeping in the middle of the floor at your new place and you know, the mattress has a hole in it and you're sleeping on the ground by the time in the morning, <laughs> like just yep. little things that you're like, what is happening to me right now? That's so cool that you basically just like hopped on the ride and you were like, here we go and learning all about it. And what did you do though? Because, you know, there's always a sacrifice that comes with joining this kind of industry. So what did you do? Do you still do like things you're passionate about or I was in the marketing world when we first met. I luckily had an amazing boss who was kind of like, if you need to go see him every month, we'll just give you a half day on Fridays so you can go for like a weekend. That was awesome. And then my brother passed away and I decided that life was short and I was going to do a new journey in life. And so I left the nine to five, figured out kind of small jobs to do here and there and started traveling with him. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I now work for a pure bar and I do all their social media. So it's more of a steady job I can do anywhere. 
and I do a lot of freelance social media so I can be with him. But I decided I didn't want to be away from him for all those months. And life is truly short and I wasn't going to miss eight months of the year with the love of my life. Yeah, Yeah. we get that. Totally. I feel like a lot of people in the industry do the long distance thing and baseball especially is so long of a season that that's such a long time away from each other. And I love that you just decided to go for it and had your income come afterwards with your love falling first. So with your brother passing away, did you have that like fear of being away from your parents or your family like you're going with the love of your life which is great but then you're also leaving behind all of your family and that other component of your life so how was that struggle for you oh that was really hard it was something I went back and forth on the first year that I was getting ready to leave my brother's birthday was the day Kyle left for spring training and so I decided to join in the regular season that year I just wasn't ready to be away from my parents and my siblings on that day yet so we've kind of made it work in that way that I know what days are going to be hard and if he's going to be on the road or he's going to be too busy I luckily have an incredibly supportive family and can get home to them or they can come to me on the days that are rough yeah with anybody that passes, I feel like with this industry that we're in, it doesn't give you a lot of time to sit and think like you don't have that ability. When I mean that we usually have a lot of time by ourselves, like in the evening, like if there's games or practices, but there's so many moving parts going on, whether you're transitioning to a new location or new people or everything like that. So how did you handle the grief process? Because I feel like in this industry, you're constantly thinking of like, what's next? Like what's coming next? It's a great question. <laughs> um, we're still doing it. We're still learning every day. For me, it was like, I would actually sit down and write down the things I was looking forward to, to remind myself that like the world is bright. The world is good. Here's all these things I get to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty open about it on my social media that I was grieving. And the women that reached out that had gone through similar situations made it a lot easier. Like I knew that if I was having a moment, I could reach out to them and they would totally support me in my hardest moments. And, and my fiance is literally one of the best men I've ever met, probably the best man (laughs) I've ever met. Um, That's why I'm (laughs) marrying him. And he was actually at a training session with the Red Sox. When we got the news, I lost my brother and he got on the next flight home to me. It's really hard. I feel like in the sports industry, because they miss these big things, you know, good things in terms of like weddings and and occasions like that, but then also hard, troubling things that you need them there for. Sometimes it's hard because they can't be there or, you know, they're there on the next flight, which is also like, it's great, but it's, you want them there right in that moment. You know what I mean? And so sometimes that's really tough. So I feel like the fact that he was able to be there for you is amazing. And then did he stay or what was that after period looking like for you too? It's almost like a weird blessing that it was in the off season. He just happened to be in Florida for like the Red Sox had a week of training. They had asked him to go down to. So he had just got down to Florida when we got the news and they told him, go home, get to her. Don't worry about coming back. Like we'll see you in the spring. Wow. Um, So that was nice. And the Red Sox even offered to help like find me a counselor. I mean, they went above and beyond. It was really sweet and compassionate of them. So I was, Lucky he got to me within, I think, 24 hours of the news. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that's incredible that an organization of that size would would reach out because not saying that they don't care about their people, but that is just incredible that they took the time to offer that because yeah. we don't really hear about things like that. You just hear more about like what people see on TV and things like that. So I think that's incredible. And if you don't mind, I, I want to back up a little bit. I am going to ask a hard question okay. because I think it will help the listeners. And I know that we talked previously and you said you're an open book to help others, but with this whole journey that you've been on, have you looked back and there were certain signs or things that you could tell listeners to look out for, for things leading up to your brother passing, or was there anything that stood out? Yeah, hundred percent. I relive those years, those months, literally the last time I saw him. And now that I know what to look for, I see him. My brother was in no way a saint. I don't paint people <laughs> into mm-hmm. these angels after they leave. He is who he was. He was my best friend, but he also had some addiction issues and s- stuff. So we knew that. Last time I saw him was a week before he passed away. And this is the weirdest sign. Was amazing. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. saying goodbye. Like yeah. he he knew he was going to leave soon and he came over for family dinner. I picked, I actually picked him up. He didn't have a car at this time. I was telling him some of the stuff me and Kyle were going through at the time. And he told me I deserve the world. He was the best guy. He was so happy I had fallen in love. That was kind of my sign was he offered some of the things he owned to me, mm-hmm. which is a big thing if they start giving away prized possessions. Like I have his sweatshirts and stuff that he actually gave to me before he passed. He paid back every single person he owed money to. Wow. Not every person. He didn't pay my dad back. (laughs) 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 That's what dads are sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, he did those things. And he, he told me how much he loved me, hugged me. It was a sign that I saw as, oh, he's getting better. He's, he's turning. He, but it was, he was saying goodbye to me. Now, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I know that's tough to talk about. And I wanted everyone to hear what to look for because I know that sometimes you it just like passes you by and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I see that. So I appreciate you sharing that because I know that's not easy to like reflect on the past like that. But I think that with your story, you're going to help so many people in the future. And I just think that that's incredible that you share that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I I try to share my story so that no one else ever has to feel the grief that I carry every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, suicide is an awful, terrible thing. And I think it's for so many people, the signs that they experience are so different. But it's interesting that you said that he was kind of saying goodbye to you because my boyfriend Drew had a player who died by suicide as well. And it was kind of the same thing. It was like he was talking about how that like morning he was so great and so happy and like everything was totally normal it's so weird how they're okay with their choice is that tough for you I'm sorry I know I'm asking like a really hard question but I just feel like that's so tough knowing like they were okay with this decision yeah no it's a great question I have been in that moment in my life so I know where his brain was at I think the best way to describe it is like they were making the decision that they think is helping everybody else yeah. Like they don't think that they are worthy of our love or our time or anything. So they think them leaving is like a kindness. 
to the West. Like removing well. like a burden yes. from the group. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they think what they do, they are doing is mm-hmm. going to help you. What they don't realize is that every pain they feel just transfers to the people that they love. So yeah. like, mm-hmm. I just always describe to people that the, the sadness and the depression my brother had, I carry my siblings carry, mm-hmm. his son carries, my parents carry, you know, like it didn't go away when he yeah. left. It just transferred yeah. to us. Yeah. And I don't think they realize that. Like they, that's no. not a thing that they're like consciously thinking about. Obviously no. they would have never done that to you or anybody yes. they love. Right. Yeah. Yes. They're trying to do a kindness to us. They right. don't realize that they're doing one of the worst things that ever happened to yeah. us. Yeah. Um, I feel like for me, I know that I haven't experienced or been through it, but I would almost be angry, like bitter because I would be like, how dare you do this to me? Like in a selfish way, Mm -hmm. because now I have the rest of my life and it's changed because of your choice. And I feel like that's obviously me thinking of it from a selfish point of view, but did you experience that? Or did you feel like already rooted in like an understanding I was rooted in an understanding. I never went through the anger part. Mm -hmm. I think I was angry at the rest of the world for not, I always say my brother was like an angel flying too close to the ground and the way his soul was like he had issues, but he walked into a room and became friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. He was just like this kind, kind soul. And I was angry at the world that it wasn't kind enough back to him, but I was never Mm -hmm. angry at him for the decision he had to make. I see it as a sickness. I always say like he passed away of depression, just like you pass away of cancer. Like it was a sickness that grew in his body for a long time. So I went through all the other stages. Believe me, I bargained with God a lot. And I asked him like, can you just bring him back? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what you need me to do, but like, just bring him back. But I never got angry at him. But everyone grieves in their own way, goes through their cycles in their own way. Believe me, all of my siblings and my parents, we all had our own journey in it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the way anybody goes through it. How many siblings so are there? I have eight siblings. Wow. Wow. Yes. I have half siblings, step siblings, and adopted siblings, but I don't call them that. They're all just my brother, my sister. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Um, so he was my closest one. Honestly, that's the reason I kept moving. So I had seven other siblings to keep moving forward. Yeah. Wow. And so with all of those different personalities, and as you mentioned, you guys all were going through your different grieving processes. How did you like align with each other or kind of have each other's back in those moments? Because one of you might be going through anger and one of you might be going through sadness. And, and how did you kind of balance that? It's really tricky. It's really tricky to know. Sometimes, you know, somebody doesn't want to talk about him at a family event or somebody does want to say his name. So finding out everybody's grief style has continued to be a journey that we go through yeah. every day as a family. I mean, every year we go through it on the, on his angel anniversary and on his birthday, if people want to talk about him or if people want to just try to get through the day. Are you the oldest? Are you in the middle? The baby? I'm in the, I'm in the middle. You're in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he was my big brother. So we Got were it. the closest in age. I mean, yeah, he was my best friend. We're all kind of like paired off almost in a weird way, you know, like everybody's got their closest sibling and he was my closest sibling. So when we were grieving, my, one of my sisters actually said to me, I'm sorry. I know he's the person you would be in the corner with right now talking to. Mm, so, so sorry. That's so tough. And I'm glad you have your other siblings to go through that with, but it doesn't make it 
any better or any easier to go through such a terrible thing. You mentioned depression, and I kind of want to touch on that a little bit because we've been talking a lot about mental health on our podcast lately and not really knowing what people are going through and trying to lead with grace first and lead with kindness. And we had talked about kind of anxiety and self-image on our end with things that we deal with. But I know depression is another one that kind of runs along the same length of anxiety. But with depression, I feel like people kind of are just like, well, pull yourself out of it. Like, I don't understand why you're depressed. You know what I mean? I think that's such a stigma (laughs) with depression. So could you talk a little bit more on like, some things that you have seen being in it and being with somebody that has depression. Yeah. First of all, I love that episode that you guys did. Thank it you. was awesome. It was Thank really you. vulnerable and beautifully done. Yeah. I think with depression is you just start saying no to events. Like people ask you to do something you say, Oh no, I'm too busy. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. So like come to them or make it an easy thing to do. Like I have a really good friend this season that when the boys were away for a week at a time, we would just go for a walk every night together Mm -hmm. around like our apartment complex. And there were some nights where she didn't know, but I was like really missing my family, really missing Kyle, probably not in like the depression part yet, but looking forward to those walks with her every day was like the highlight of my day. Yeah. So I think just keep reaching out. Like even if they keep saying no, just keep reaching out because one day they might feel up to it or just say, I'm swinging by with food. <laughs> like you kind of have no other choice but to answer the door yeah. and I'm going to be there. And you'll see it in people like they'll stop having their smile for a certain amount of time or like little things like if a girl always wears lipstick and she's not wearing lipstick, that's a sign. Like mm-hmm. you just stop wow. wanting to do little things. So that's what I look for in people is if they keep saying no to me or they're like not their appearance, that sounds bad, but like the things that matter to them mm-hmm. go down, then something's, something's up. Those are all great things to point out. There was a chapter growing up when, where my mom had depression and it was because of a lot of loss all within like two months and being in high school and just being young and not understanding. Now that you say that I look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I remember being like, well, why doesn't she just like go do something? I don't know. Get off the couch, like go do something. And I feel like even all the medicine in the world and things like that, that you can provide, it's not what the person needs. So we're trying to talk about it more because I feel like our generation growing up, it was one of those things where it's like rub some dirt on it. I don't know. It was just such a different time. I feel like, yeah. but your significant other. So he has and fiance. I'll throw yeah. that term out there. <laughs> fiance. I loved saying that when I was one, I know that that's a lot. So he has his schedule and then he's trying to make sure that he can be there a hundred percent for you. And I'm so glad that y'all are able to be together, but did he feel like, oh my gosh, I can't be there for you. Like I'm trying my best. I feel like I'm failing. Oh, a hundred percent. I think he handled it like a champion. I feel bad saying it almost in a way, but that first year of losing my brother, I was like a fog. Like I was just drifting through. I mean, I was looking forward to things like my, my sister actually got married, I think 10 months after we lost my brother. So like that was a happy point, you know, but he was just incredibly strong literally like moved in with my parents because I was living with my parents at that time trying to figure out my next step and looking back I've asked him like what were you doing and he's like oh I was scared like I had never gone through watching someone grieve someone who wasn't supposed to pass like mm-hmm. he'd watch people lose like older relatives and 
that, but he never watched somebody lose somebody who was 29 years old. Yeah. But now he's, he's a champ about it. Like I told him my signs, I've told him signs and other people to look out for. And he's really learned a lot quickly. Yeah. Smart, smart man. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that he's such a strong proponent for you and for your family and really just been there for you. What are some tactical things that others who are experiencing or dealing with someone who is grieving, what are some things that they can do for that person? I was just going to say about Kyle, my mom still says that the first time he walked into their house after we got the news, he brought life back into our family. Like he brought like a little laughter, a little light, joked about the food we had, you know, just just be funny, be sweet, make them remember the good things in life. Like he would just like watch TV shows with me that like I enjoyed. He He's actually really good about like reading spoilers on movies and TV shows we're going to watch to make sure like they won't upset me too much. Or if there's going to be a part, he'll be like, hey, babe, I think you need to close your eyes during this part. Like I think it might be too intense. So like I'll fast forward. I think we all know what happened kind of thing. So I think just be understanding of that and he talks about my brother a lot. He says my brother's name out, out loud to me a lot. He even his warm up song this year was an honor of my brother. Mm-hmm. So just doing things like that. This year, well, my brother's anniversary of passing away, he wasn't home yet. And he texted me and said, I'm thinking of you. And I think of your brother every day. Like I loved him so much. Yeah. Just checking in on the people, talking to them about the person they loved is, I, I think is the best way to help someone who's grieving. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's like little things. So it's not like these big gestures. Like I don't show up to your house with a million balloons. And no. cupcakes. Like it's the little things, yeah. you know? And I think that's where people stop and they don't know what to do because they think that, you know, no gesture can ever help. And so they just don't do anything. Cause they're like, yeah. I don't know how to handle this. So I, I think that if we start thinking a little bit of the bigger picture, but smaller gestures, it would make like a really big impact. So I think that's so sweet that he takes the time to do the research to like help you out. Yes. Uh, Cause I wasn't even thinking of shows or anything yeah. like that, but yeah. we're exposed to a lot. So even with social media or anything, yeah. you know, moving yeah. forward to like the happy times and things like that, I'm taking <laughs> the transition. I'm doing a transition. I, yeah. <laughs> we love following you and your pups. So talk about your Thank little you. dogs and what kind they are and traveling. Cause they've probably been to more places than we have. So <laughs> they have yeah. been to a lot of States for two little rescue pups that no one wanted. They are spoiled rotten now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a nine-year-old Australian shepherd who is a little people picky. <laughs> Her name's Sadie Jane. Cause I graduated from college, walked into the SPCA because my little sister wanted to foster kittens. So she was checking them out. And I was like, I'm just going to go walk, you know, the dog kennel, see what they have. I've always wanted an Australian Shepherd. And I walked to the front to my mom and was like, mom, you won't believe what's in kennel one, like a purebred Australian Shepherd for $40. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And she was like, absolutely not. My mom's middle name is Jane. And I was like, what if I named her Sadie Jane? (laughs) So she came home because she's been named after my mom. I love that. And then I was fostering right after my brother passed away. Actually, I got a call from a group that said, we found two puppies on the side of the road. If you don't take them, they're probably going to die. And I named them Freddie Mercury and David Bowie because I got him under pressure. Sadie (laughs) fell in love with little Bowie and he became a part of the group. I I didn't want to have two dogs at the time, but 
you know, life happens. Yeah. Well, we're huge dog people and Ashley actually has an Australian shepherd. So yeah, (laughs) they are the best, but mine is picky with dogs. Like, I don't know what happened, but I mean, he's a spoiled brat too. He gets whatever he wants. He owns the house. You know, it's funny. Like the only dog he likes is Brittany's dog. And I don't know if it's by (laughs) choice or it's because they're always, they have to, yeah, they're required to like No, but, my, my Australian Shepherd's the exact same way. She likes dogs she knows, but if we're on a walk and someone's like, can my dog say hi? I'm like, oh, please, no. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I try to describe it to people as like, if you were in a grocery store and someone ran up to you and was like, hi, do you want to be my best friend? You'd be like, no, I don't. <laughs> That's how my dog feels on walks every That's day. so funny. My dog is the exact opposite. He's like, oh, friend, 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 friend. But people, he's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need another person. Yeah, Yeah, that's my little guy is like that. He is a little cattle dog mix. We're not really sure. He's like 20 pounds and every single person is his best friend. Every single dog is his best friend. But his older sister kind of ruins that for him. (laughs) Yeah. So what's that like traveling with them? So I travel with my dog quite a bit, but I feel like you take them to like the stadiums and all that too. So I want to hear your side of traveling with both pups. Yeah. So I've taken them to the stadiums a few times. and It was more kind of like I needed a place to take them because we didn't have a place to live at the time because baseball is moving so much. And I've taken them to Bark in the Park as well. Mm-hmm. The first time I had to take them, we had gotten moved from AA in Portland to AAA in Pawtucket. Mm-hmm. And we literally didn't have like a place yet. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I can just sit in the car with all of our belongings and the dogs and Kyle asked the stadium, do you care if she brings our dogs in? And they said, no, you guys actually have a suite tonight so she can bring them in. And luckily there have been a few other times that that has happened and the stands have been great. And they've said, yeah, come on in, bring your dogs. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I feel like some dogs are even more well-behaved than children. So I think that dogs should be allowed <laughs> in the stands. Yes. I do. <laughs> Uh, we might be biased. We also don't have yeah. kids yet. So yeah, no. yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah I, I joke. They, they're really well behaved. The only hard part has been we were on in a seat one time where my little guy Bowie could see my fiance warming up to pitch and he didn't understand why like dad was throwing a ball that he could not go. <laughs> he was whining and I was like, Bowie, they're going to kick us out. Like you got to be quiet. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. The fact that like, Hey, there's a ball and dad's throwing. <laughs> that's what we do all the time. Like it's a great grassy field. Why am I not out there? I love that. <laughs> yeah. So you bring them, do you just travel like by car with them? Have you brought them on the plane, trains? What kind of transportation have they taken? Um, yes, I, they literally travel by ferry plane car taxi they've been on the t in boston i mean they've been everywhere now i try to stick to like just my car is mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot easier with two of them when it was just my australian shepherd sadie it was much easier yeah. to travel all those different ways because she was so good like she can be so naughty but once she has like a little like vest on like she knows she has to be good Mm -hmm. so I would just put her vest on and say we're going into the city or we're going on a ferry need you to keep it together (laughs) a ferry I can't even imagine so that would be in it was in Rhode Island oh Rhode Island yeah Yeah. I, I just wanted to go to Newport for the weekend so we hopped on the ferry with her 
And oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was I don't fun. Know. Yeah. I'm sure that they provide like that safety blanket too for you because I know that my dog does that for me. Like I love bringing him with me because I feel safer, you know, when there's so much going on and so much change around and you're constantly moving and you're not with your significant other and you're traveling and all that. I feel like that's your safety blanket. Oh, definitely. And luckily I have two really great trainers here in Cincinnati who I've said like the weirdest requests to them. Like, can you teach them to sit like facing backwards while I'm unloading a car by myself so that like I feel safe when I'm driving and I get to the hotel, like that I can like turn my back in the dark and get all my luggage out and my dog sit there and stare at people. Wow. Whoa, that's brilliant. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like I've trained them enough that they look like they're really well-behaved dogs. I mean, they might bark in a second here too. <laughs> we'll see. But I've had a few run-ins that I've felt a little uncomfortable, but they're like, wow, your dog's really good. And I'm like, yep, they're very protective. They're <laughs> yeah. not like the little guy would let anybody through, but yeah, they make me feel safe in any hotel, anywhere in the country. If I'm by myself, which I am a lot traveling, like he gets to fly and I pack up the car and the dogs and drive 17 hours by myself. Is there any safe, I like now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, well, you've been in a lot of places alone, like at nighttime. Is there any like safety things that you've ran into where you're like, wow, I should have thought about that. For me, I watch way too much TV. So I'm always paranoid about anything. Like if anybody walks near me, I'm like, I'm ready. But I don't know. I feel like being in a lot of hotels and things alone having your dogs are awesome because, you know, usually they bark, hopefully if they see or hear something, but have you experienced anything like being in a hotel or like unpacking or anything that you're like, you should probably watch out? Oh, a hundred percent. I've asked, like, I'll call hotels before I get there and say like, will you just hand me my key? And then the key inside says my room number. Cause I had a time one time where they were like, Oh ma'am, you're like in room two Oh something handed me the key. And the guy behind me was just giving me the creeps. Mm-hmm. And I actually got on the elevator with my dogs, got off the elevator, walked back to the front desk and was like, yeah, I need a different room key. Like, yeah. I just don't want that guy to know what room I'm in. So now yeah. I just call them ahead of time and say, just don't tell me my room number out loud. If someone else is in the lobby. That is a weird safety thing. I am actually surprised that hotels do that. Now thinking about how weird that could be because someone's listening right behind you and knowing where you're at. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or I've even said before, like, can you leave a key at the front? I'll tell my like husband what room I'm in and to come tell you like my name. So that if somebody near me hears like that, they're like, oh, it's not a woman traveling by herself, but Mm. it is a woman traveling by herself. Yeah. 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 No, that's brilliant. Yeah. I'm the same way. I listen to way too many like true crime podcasts (laughs) and I'm always doing it by myself, like driving. And I'm like, what am I doing? Listening to like the Ripper and I'm pulling into a hotel by myself. (laughs) I think we're all guilty of that. I'm pretty sure. So, well, we have one more question. We always round our interviews off with this question. So if you were able to go back in time and tell yourself just starting out in this industry, or maybe someone just starting out in this industry, one thing that you have learned, what would you say? I would say to like meet the other women to like become a group with them because everyone was that woman in the beginning all by herself. We all start as like the girlfriend that's new and they will be nothing but welcoming and kind. I've never met a woman in baseball who wasn't spectacular. They are just the strongest people, honestly, in my mind. So find them. They'll be your community. They'll get you through, through it all. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we are so grateful that you came on here and just shared your story and just so many helpful tips. So we appreciate you being so open and honest. And I, I feel like, you know, our, our mission is accomplished if anybody has helped (laughs) after this episode. So thank you so much for being on here and taking the time. Oh, of course. I love being on it. I love your podcast. (laughs) I'll listen to it instead of true crime when I'm driving by myself. (laughs) Good idea. Good idea. Yes. Yes. So nice to meet both of you today. You too. And thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.